0: Oh yeah, what's up everybody, welcome, welcome to the Artist of Data Science Happy Hour. It is Friday, June 4th, 2021, super excited to have all of you guys here, thank you for joining me, thank you for hanging out. It is June, so that means it's Pride Month, shout out to all my LGBTQ friends, audience members, podcast listeners, um, this this one's for you guys, uh, hope you guys are having a great day, hopefully you guys get a chance to check out the episode I released today with my good friend arjun sachdev he is the co-host of the rising Ladderly podcast which is a pretty damn cool podcast so hopefully you guys get an opportunity to tune into that episode man i'm super excited to have all of you guys here the waiting room is packed people are funneling in this is awesome to see so many wonderful people here shout out to all the good friends eric russell james dave freaking langers in the house dave what up man good to see you hopefully you guys get a chance to check out the episode that dave uh had on the super data science podcast with uh john crone i'll be sure to link to that episode right there in the show notes so you guys have easy access to it but definitely check out that interview i definitely enjoyed listening to it i was uh I mean, I laughed, I cried, smiled. I was inspired. It was a good episode, man. I really enjoyed that. Uh, but yeah, man, super excited to have all you guys here. So last week, I opened up with a question about beliefs. What are some beliefs that we had? Some beliefs that you know, if you reflect on now, uh, that, that 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 were kind of incorrect, as it pertains to your career in data science. Um, as I look around here, there's a lot of well accomplished folks in the data space. Um, a lot of people, you know, who who have been in the game for a while and. You know, I'm I'm wondering for 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 you guys out there who've already got your data science dream job, who've uh, who's already you know out there working. Like, what was what were some of the 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 points of confusion you had when you were trying to break into data science? I know that personally, for me, being a statistician, having just you know being an actuary being a statistician just having a lot of statistical knowledge my biggest point of confusion was how is this different than data science and it turns out there is kind of a, a gap between traditional academic statistics and data science there's the whole technology piece and, and, and all that stuff so that was the biggest point of confusion because there are so many things out there that do a particular thing and there's just so many products out there that have like the, the same you know functionality but they just have different names so that was confusing to me was just kind of getting getting and, uh, my head around all the different technology and all that stuff, but let's go to uh, let's go to my good friend Dave Langer here. Dave, like when you were you know cracking into data science, um, what, what was something that just had you confused?
1: What exactly hiring managers were really looking for was something that um, I found really confusing. So when I first when I first decided that I was going to get the title data scientist. I was working at Microsoft. And at that point in time, this was probably five, six years ago now, maybe seven. uh, They were really basically looking for people with PhDs. And that was it. Uh, At at my level in the company, in particular, they were like, well, Dave, you don't have a PhD and you don't have 20 years of experience. How can you do this job? And when I would ask about what's really the job, they would tell me, and I'm like, well, I can do that. Look at these things that I've done. Um, so there was that level of confusion. Now, of course, as we all know, have seen and have probably seen on social media, it seems to have gotten worse over time, you know, not better. You know, the whole proverbial, you need to have X years of experience in this particular framework. And the framework has only been around for X minus five years, that sort of thing. <laughs> so that was one of the things that I found most, conf- most confusing was exactly like nailing down really, what do you really need to know to do the job? And because what ends up happening, and we've seen this a lot, I think with a lot of folks posting on social media is that once they actually get into the job, there's these list of requirements and they're so huge and they're so big and you need to know all these things. And then you study like mad and you get all these things and then you land on the job and you're making Power BI dashboards all day. So so there's really, I still think there's still this confusion. There's still this mismatch between like what the ideal is, what the dream is of doing this work and then what the reality is. And my experience personal experience has been, is that most of the work can actually be done with a relatively few number of tools and techniques, generally speaking, outside of specialty areas, right? If you're building self-driving cars, that's one thing. But if you're just doing general data science, you'd be surprised at how remarkably similar it probably looks across companies and roles day in and day out. Yeah, man. I mean, there's got to be just some checklist of
0: skills and things you should know that we should agree upon and say, look, if, if you know these things right here, this set of things, you're good. We can teach you anything else. You can just learn it on the job. Like, you know, don't waste your time chasing after, you know, 10 different cloud certificates or things like that. Like, just just focus on these things. And then from here, this is going to be the absolute strong foundation and you can build on top of that you can just keep building and building and building i want to hear from uh, from eric because i know eric you're, you're you just landed landed a job man you just landed a, an awesome role um and i mean and you just graduated school as well so so yeah. talk to us about that
2: yeah so yeah so i was actually just like writing up a linkedin post in the other window here um just finished my first week Woohoo! managed not to delete anything in production which is good and uh so yeah uh I would say that the biggest thing for me that I was confused about, not necessarily that I just didn't know about, but that I was confused about is what the heck is networking? And how do I do that without feeling slimy and terrible and just yeah you know because my previous experience with networking in any capacity or whatever in in college or whatever was just awful and disingenuous or boring or uncomfortable, or you know nobody liked it, and no one wanted to be there and so uh so in in that way it's like it was actually really nice kind of getting to know a few people on my on my new team. Because I knew, like, okay, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be working at LendingTree here starting soon. So I looked up a few people who were probably going to be on my team or maybe doing something similar at the company and reached out to them if they looked like they were active on LinkedIn. And so I reached out to them ahead of time. And so a couple of people already knew who I was and I already kind of had a little bit of an intro to them. So that was really nice. Um, and that, even though that was after I had already found out the company that I'd be working with, and so it's like. Didn't, I didn't have to reach out and say something. Well, maybe I said something dumb, but I didn't have to say something dumb. Right. Um, I was just trying to reach out to them and, and be their friend and get to get to know them professionally. And I just find that. So it's nice. It just feels like talking to real people. And I like when people approach me that way too.
0: You know, if anybody fo- <clears throat> follows Eric's content on LinkedIn, he's, when you talk about networking, you don't mean like, networks like like how you're doing those network analysis type of thing you not
2: not working? graph networks no this is like people networks which i guess could be graphed i suppose right
0: yeah yeah networking is i mean that's a that's that's a good point man i mean it's it's definitely a, it's more of an art for sure than a science i mean there's there's definitely a good way to do it and a bad way to do it and i think vim has got a great video on that on his channel about how to network and um, yeah, I mean, if anybody has any specific questions on the network, you, we can get into that. Um, but I, I want to go to a question here from, I got a question in the email, um, from Spencer Hall, Haller. I don't know if Spencer's in the chat right now. Uh, yes, you are Spencer Holly. Sorry, not not holler Spencer, Holly, Spencer. Um, I really like your question, man. This is, this is going to kick off a really, really good, uh, uh, discussion here. So why don't you go for it, man? Uh, you're, you're muted.
3: Oh, there you, go. you want me to like kind of explain what I said in the email?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Please. Yeah.
3: No. Yeah. 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 So so um, anyway, I'm one of those um, data science boot camp people anyway, and uh, I recently finished a data science boot camp. Um, but the, the different and, you know, I'm kind of kind of going in a little slump on the job hunt in a way. Um, I don't really think it's anything that unusual compared to most people just a little bit of imposter syndrome kind of thing like that. The difference is that I didn't I don't have undergrad. Um I just basically finished high school, did a year of working and then uh did this boot camp. So I'm kind of started having some doubts about getting a job, you know, um during this time and I asked my career coach about it and he's kind of like, "Oh, you can, you know, they're just the, the job listings that say they need a degree. They're just kind of saying that you can still get a job um, and all of that stuff in data science. Um, But then I've talked to other people that kind of say otherwise. And I know that my career coach, he works for the boot camp, so he may have some bias. So I'm just kind of curious what you guys would would have to say about that. Um, Now, what I said in the email, to my understanding, it seems like um, based on what I've heard from other, from some people, my best bet would be to um, work at some really small startup that has like one or two people um, and do some work for very low or free. Um, and that's what I could do. But I'm just wondering what y'all think. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you very much. I, I really like that question. Thank and, you. Um, so that's a good question, right? Like here you are. You haven't completed haven't completed like a formal four-year degree four year education Mm -hmm. and trying to break into data science right um and you know i'll give you a couple of couple of things here first thing there's a uh, one of my friends uh his name is joan iqbal he has a no degree podcast so definitely check out that podcast he talks to a lot of uh, industry leaders in that podcast talking about how you know having a degree doesn't necessarily imply anything right um and uh, I want to give you kind of a bit of an anecdote from when I was in grad school. So my grad school advisor was uh, Christoph Osszefki. Can't say his name. He's a Polish guy. Uh, but definitely like, you know, a legend in the actuarial sciences space. And I just remember this thing sticking out in my head so much. He's like, I don't understand why the Society of Actuaries requires you to not only complete a battery of exams, but also get degrees. He's like, anybody can be an actuary if you just pass the exams, right? That's the only proof you need that you can handle the work is pass the Uh, actuarial exams and then you can do it, right? And that really stuck with me. Here's somebody who is a PhD, well-respected person in the field, is saying that I don't understand why people are going to grad school and getting degrees in actuarial sciences or even getting degrees at all when they could just graduate from high school with the calculus they know and finish the exams and get into actuarial sciences, Um, Personally, I'll say this, like maybe 20 years ago, this advice would not have been valid, but look at the world now, man. Look at how much open education there is, how much uh, you can go anywhere and learn something, right? There's these like Udacity nano degrees, which, you know, I was looking at the curriculum for a few of them and they're really, really comprehensive curriculums. Um personally I feel like to make it in data science, do you need to go through a formal education? No. Like what's what is the difference between you sitting in a class watching an old person at the head of the class writing on a board teaching you something versus you sitting in front of your computer watching Somebody who's you know probably more attuned to the field teaching you the same stuff right like why do you have to go through a whole battery of courses like you know the electives right the first two years of, of college which aren't even related to the work that you're doing so personally, I would like to see this whole concept of and, and look i 'm saying this as an unfortunate holder of a graduate degree in math and statistics as well. Um, I feel like I wasted my time in grad school. I could have learned this shit on my own. Um, now i could have because there's so much resources out there um i would like to see the world move to a place where we don't need to go to university anymore for certain types of jobs right like a fucking doctor yeah go fucking go to school man if you're a doctor yeah go to a formal education because i don't want somebody i don't want anybody operating on me who went to an online course or you know trying to pull out my teeth went to an online course but data scientist yeah for sure like you know you're hopefully not killing anyone biostatistician maybe you should go to school um so I will just say that I'm going to stop talking because I want, I want to see what other people have to say. That's just my viewpoint. Um, let's go to uh, let's go to, to, to Greg Coquillo first. And after Greg, um, I see Antonio is in the building. So Antonio, if you can get ready to uh, reply after Greg. Uh, and then I got a bunch of questions in the queue. I see all of you guys. We're going to get you guys lined up um, and, and get you in due time. So go for it, Greg.
4: Yeah. It's uh it, it was awesome hearing your, 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 your story, Spencer, and uh, the, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because we have this conventional way of educating, right? So, hirers um, out there, they're looking for ways to hire with minimum risk. And to minimize this risk, you have to show uh, paperwork that you have the ability to understand their business model and address their needs. And the only way right now, because of conventions, is that paper comes from a university. Uh, but nowadays, there are some unconventional ways of doing so. Uh, for example, you go to Linda School right now. Uh, you get a uh, you know contract with them where you go through their program of coding, and uh, they help you get hired because you've demonstrated uh, capability to uh, uh, perform. And except that you pay them once you get hired a certain percentage at a certain time. And the other, the good news for you is that big companies are now embracing the idea of you don't need a degree to get hired. So Google is exploring that. I can't remember whether they said, oh yeah, we're eliminating uh, bachelor degrees for certain positions. But I'd advise you to start following these trends. When companies like Google start putting these things out there, other people will follow suit. And also you already answered that question for yourself too, when you mentioned maybe you should join a small company to start building Uh, companies. If you're looking for a job at another company, they love to see if you don't have a a degree, what have you built before? Uh, That's why people always ask for projects. What have you worked on? they're trying to minimize that risk of hiring somebody who doesn't know how to address their problems. So by showcasing that you understand business cases, you understand situations where you've built a product or system to address certain pain points, you're closing that gap forever. And the work you have to do for yourself is look for companies who are open to uh, embracing your skills and getting you on board. And those are including startups, as you mentioned, and also companies like Google who are now opening their, doors to, to, to unconventional uh, folks uh, who don't believe that a former education like a four-year degree is uh, the only way to go. So again, keep your ears out, keep your eyes open, keep networking, and also keep building because building and building on things that solve problems. And this is what will be your key to making sure that hires can trust you and uh, get you on board to so- continue to solve problems for them. And Continue with that strategy of closing that gap. Once you close that gap, you'll find more companies who would will be willing to to get you on board.
0: Thank you very much, Greg Antonio. Let's hear from you. Then after Antonio, let's go to uh, go to my my friend James here, James Lloyd. Then after James Lloyd, let's hear from Dave Langer. And if anybody else wants to speak on this topic, please. I would love to get a, a you know a diverse range of ex, you know um, responses here. Antonio, if you're sure. driving and and, it, and it's unsafe, I, I can skip you over,
5: man. No, 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 it's good. I I pulled over. Um... But I'm almost here. I'm actually going to a soccer game, but it's always great to be here. And I totally agree with you about the four-year degree requirement it really sucks. Unfortunately, some companies still want it. Like I know at my company at Verizon, if you don't get past HR, you'll never even get to speak to a manager. Because I've, I've had some great friends who have been totally qualified. I've recommended them, and they're like, I believe you. But the HR person just have some policies, right? So if you run into that, just move on to another company. There's thousands of companies there. Um, I haven't really ran into the no degree because I do have a formal education. Not that it's useful, but I do have the piece of paper. Um, But what I ran into is I didn't have the years of experience most companies were requiring. And when I, I was turning out, it was like, oh, you're just out of college. We can't hire you for this like senior analyst role or whatever it was. And what worked for me, and this is uh, just from my experience. One is start making like your projects. Uh, I know Eric said, do you have a GitHub profile? I put private data science project, put them in my GitHub. And what I did is not just throw some code in there. Um, I will put like, this is the business case, right? It's not an actual company. So I did, for example, I scraped data from Airbnb and I said, I am working on a client for Airbnb who has a rental and I want to maximize their profit. So I scraped what a they have in the room, built a whole data science project around it. And I said, if this client implements my suggestions, they're going to like double the revenue so i built up a whole business case it was like what are the most important variables did that whole thing posted it on link posted it on linkedin explain what it is posted it on github and people started seeing it so that and on my resume i would i added that as i added as an academic experience and i say increased Airbnb conversions by this much amount uh, because of this. And then when I went to an interview, uh, I was able to speak to it as if I did have that work experience. So I never said that I worked for them, but at the same time, you kind of play it out. You know, you have to be confident, you have to really believe and and sell yourself because ultimately um, that's what it is. So that's what I will highly recommend, just posting that content and really treating it like you're getting paid to do that is very important. And the second thing, which I did to meet the year's requirement was when I was in college, I was doing like peer advising. So I was helping students with their schedules and I was in an analytics program. When I went to an interview, right, Anything I have done remotely close to data, I was putting it on there, right? I was putting that I was advising students on a data science track because I helped some kids with some schedule. You know, is it exaggeration? Yeah, but you have to do what you got to do. You know, I even did ballet parking and I was managing a couple people there. And you put like, let a team of four, you know, event 300. 300 people events, and then you show leadership. So that way, maybe you're gonna start because I know some companies have it says either bachelor's or four more years of experience. So you can get your ears up there. You know, if you uh, work whatever you work where you have some opportunity, put that on there. I think no job is beneath you, and everybody starts somewhere. And if you can talk about it and be confident about it, it's going. It's, I can't. It's not gonna guarantee you a job, but it's going to to increase your chances. So hopefully that helps
0: thank you very much I appreciate that and uh, hopefully you have a good soccer game there man so let's go to uh, let's go to James and then after James we'll go to Dave uh, and then after Dave let's hear from Vivian Vivian has a really great point here that I'd like to unlock from the chat um, so go for it
6: so uh Hi Spencer. I, I also did a boot camp a couple months ago. So I kind of know where you're sitting at, where you're sitting there and be like, oh, I finished this boot camp, but am I actually useful? Am I actually helpful? And uh actually today I just met up with a couple of the other graduates from that boot camp. And you know, a lot of them had gotten positions already. One of them was solely on, oh, I had this as my final project for the boot camp. Uh I talked to someone in my network on LinkedIn. He just looked at the project, said this is something I can use and hired me on the spot, right? So there's a lot of opportunities out there for just if you have a project or if you've done the work, you can get get those asks and, and invites. And like a couple of the other people who also had stuff, it was just there was an online kind of test that they did as their, their internship. And now they're starting an internship and that's going to lead into a, another role later on. So really just... I want to emphasize what Greg said, push stuff onto GitHub and make a project. And a lot of times people are just looking at that project. And I guess the kind of other thing is sometimes it might just be the bootcamp's enough to get you in the door. You don't get in as a data scientist, but they're like, oh, you've shown dedication, you've shown work. Maybe you can come in as a QA test, or maybe you can come as, you know, some other ancillary role. And we'll let you sit here for a year or two while you work your data science skills and then move into the actual data science role that you want. And that's uh, another thing that's kind of a possibility for these boot camp graduates like
0: us.
1: Thank you very much, James. Uh, let's go to Dave. Yeah. So I really like what Greg said, which was this idea of think about it from the hiring manager's perspective as a risk minimization exercise. So I will also give an anecdote. Uh, my very first job in technology was working help desk because I couldn't land a software engineering role. So I worked on the help desk, as James was alluding to. I took a role that wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it was in the technology space. And then eventually I moved myself into doing software engineering over time. So I'm, I am familiar with this catch 22 of like, you can't get a job without experience, but you can't get experience without a job. And job experience is basically a risk minimization strategy for the hiring manager at base. So if you think of it that way, You've got a lot more options these days than I did. I won't even tell you what year that was that I got my first tech job. It was a long time ago, but you got a lot more options now. So for example, you can go to the freelancing sites and you could start doing analytics freelancing work. And even if you're only getting paid a little bit of money for it, it's okay. You're still getting paid to do analytics work. So that counts. That's a risk minimization strategy because you can say to a hiring manager, look, I've act- people pay me to do this kind of thing here, and here's a portfolio. I mean, that's basically what a project portfolio is as well. It's a risk minimization strategy. So you can use the power of and to help yourself out. You can create an awesome data portfolio project up on GitHub. And you can also try and get some freelancing work. And you can also target small companies that are, might be a little bit more risk tolerant than a large company. And you can also look into things like contracting as well. Don't necessarily look to be a full-time employee, but maybe try and get a contracting job instead because contracting is also lower risk because they can just get rid of you at any time. So it's a lot less risky for them to hire on a contractor than a full-time employee. So those are a bunch of different strategies that you can employ to get yourself some experience and also lower your perceived risk to a hiring manager eventually for a full-time position.
0: Thank you very much, Dave, by the way. I appreciate that. Uh, Dave was uh... Writing code on the uh, Commodore. What was that Commodore sixty-four? <laughs>
1: Dude, that. that's totally true. Actually, <laughs> so, yeah. So the first code I ever wrote. So I took I took a basic programming class with my dad back in the eighties, and we had a Commodore sixty-four, and I wrote basic code. There you go. So man. yes, I'm that old. he was he was doing spreadsheets
0: on Lotus one two three. That's why he knows uh, Excel so well.
7: Oh, come
0: on, man. <laughs> oh, man. That's a good, uh, Vivian, go for it.
7: Uh, well, I guess I just wanted to add a piece about um, how you have all know Harari, the guy that wrote Sapiens, you know. He um, wrote a book called 21 Lessons for the 21st Century as well, and in it he talks a little bit about education and, like, the future of the job market and things like that and uh, just how, like, um you know, we're in a, we're in a great change of the workforce and stuff like that, of like where jobs are going, where the money is, that sort of stuff. And um, that it will only become more common for people to like need to pivot in their careers really quickly and stuff. And so he was actually predicting that um, in the future that like traditional education will not, be like it is now that like it will be much more common for people to like have very small bursts of intense uh education that is like very practical and skill-based and then like go and do that thing for a while until then like you hit another dead end or something and then kind of like just keep um pivoting around um and that's kind of like i don't know I, i've thought about that idea for a while that it does definitely feel like I don't know, because I did a boot camp and I specifically chose the boot camp because I was like, well, I've done traditional education and I know. So I I know I learned, you know, from I don't want to say my mistakes, but, you know, you you kind of like like we've been talking about this whole time that everyone's been saying that you don't really need like a traditional education necessarily for a lot of things. Um, anyway, so that's, I, I was really glad with my decision to do a boot camp that it was like fast and intense and I learned everything I needed to learn kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that's just a thought I've been, that I've been thinking about.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Vivian. Absolutely love it. And by the way, man, thank you so much for taking over from me a couple of weeks ago. You did an epic job. I absolutely love that. So thank you for, for crushing it as a hostess for me.
7: Oh yeah. You're so welcome. Thanks for those who showed up too. It was great.
0: And um, like, yeah, that, it, Noah Harari, I like that point that you brought up and he, he has a interview with uh, James Altucher um, a, and James Altucher, Naval Ravikant, the two heroes of mine. They they both have the same mindset that yeah, this traditional education system is, eh, it's, you know, not working for the modern world anymore. Uh, but check out that interview with uh, uh, Noah Harari, Yuval Noah Harari and James Altucher. Uh And then if you wait just a month or so, then you can check out the interview that James Altucher did on my show. Um, I mean, but...
4: Think, think, yeah, hey, I wanted think, to add something real quick. Yeah, yeah, please, please. For, 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 for Spencer, uh, just to summarize, okay, it's so all about strategy and exploring everything to your advantage. Uh, nowadays, a lot of companies are getting open. Now, your strategy is to minimize that risk, making that hire feel like. They're not risking it all to hire you or they're minimizing that risk. So you want to close the gap. To do that, you have to focus. You're going to feel like you can solve the world's problems, but that's not the best way because you will dilute how many projects you can solve across industry. Say, if you want to pick healthcare, start building your portfolio around healthcare because now you're going to start closing the gap around there. If you want tech, continue to build projects around there. Use those techniques, David and Antonio, everybody told you about to build your projects to close the gap inside of that. Focus will get you there. Now, once you focus about reducing that risk, you go around leveraging other things. LinkedIn is one of them. Use emotion. Think about those viral notes that you could put out. Imagine a video you put out with a project where you say, I don't have, the, I don't have a degree, but this is what I can solve for you if you hire me. Boom, you show it. It goes viral. Those are the things that today... People go crazy about those. Those viral things can get you out there, get somebody noticed to notice you. And again, you know, think about that strategy. Think about everything you can do around that strategy. Think about the power of networking and the power of focusing, and then you'll get there. I'm excited for you, man. So reach out to me anytime. I'm willing to, you know, help you out, talk to you. Uh, anytime you
0: want. Excellent points, Greg. That was uh, very, very well put. And I mean, somebody did mention freelancing. And if, if freelancing is something you want to do, like I would check out, um, there's this really cool guy, uh, Finkster, F-I-N-X-T-E-R on YouTube. And he's all about um, freelancing. And, and he he teaches you, uh, he's got this book and a course for free entirely on YouTube called Escape the Rat Race with python uh, definitely worth checking out um so next question i got on the docket here is from martin but if anybody else wants to uh to, to speak on this topic before we move on now's gonna be the chance to so open it up to anybody just to feel free to unmute topic that we're talking about is you know spencer here is uh yeah so mark spencer's you know, he's fresh out of high school. Uh, doesn't have a formal four-year degree, but he's wondering: Can I make it in data science by doing boot camps? Right? Like, do I actually need to sit through two years of electives, just to do two years of of classes? Can I just skip the BS, go straight to the stuff I want
8: via boot camps? That's such a great question. Uh, I start I start to question myself because the, on one end, having like the the academia for uh, for like research design. Is really helpful. But on the other end, you can do so much just from learning on LinkedIn. I mean, like Dave Langer has this whole series from Excel to, to analytics, right? Um, you know, all these other individuals have all these free resources, Data O'Danning for SQL. So, like, you can learn and you can just build a portfolio and show someone, like, I can provide you value in this way. I think like people are o- more open to it now. But the challenge is that like the degree and the and the kind of like credentials or easy kind of ways to show give your stamp of approval, like, yes, I've been trained for that. But you know, if you put in the extra effort to essentially say, like, this is how I think about your company, this is kind of a solution I've already created for it. Um, this is how you solve solve your problem, like that takes the extra level of just showing them that you can do it. And so I think. It's, it's definitely a different path, that's for sure. And a less charted path. But like, if you're committed, and you're very focused on not becoming a data scientist, but providing value to a company and solving their problems with data, I think that will really make the, the difference for that. And I think a, a case example is my, I, I talked about this before, one of my good friends, he was looking for a new job, he essentially just started reaching out to startups he was interested in their in their use case problem, and saying like, "This is my experience." Um, and he's like, again, like twenty three, and going for like like senior roles, and it was just like, "Here's my experience in healthcare. If you did X, Y, Z in your company, I think you would you would solve this." A company ended up making a whole new position right under the CEO for him, just to to excel at it, right? Completely outside of the scope, but he showed value through his domain knowledge that he's learned on the own on the internet, um and applying it to someone's problem and solving the problem.
0: Absolutely love it. And Spencer, I'm sure you're picking it up on a common theme here amongst a lot of these responses, man. So there's a lot there that you can, you know, take away. And, you know, if you're wondering, oh, how the heck do I find startups? Just get a Crunchbase subscription. Uh, you can search Crunch, uh, Crunchbase. Sorry, did I say Crunchbase? Crunchbase. Look for companies that were just recently funded. Go to their LinkedIn, see if they've got under 20, 30 people and target those those companies, not those like, you know, three, 400 large people companies. Um,
8: I would would quickly caveat, avoid companies that are only like three or four people, because then they need someone who's really experienced to help grow that. You need someone right past that. Like, we just need to get it going. But like, all right, we just need traction now. So Mm -hmm. find those people in like the growth stage and and trying to find product market fit keywords just to look up. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. And you can tell how how fast the company is growing. I think most LinkedIn company pages, when you land on the company page, will have a headcount growth uh, over time. Um, so you can look at that chart and see which ones have been kind of really trending up in the last you know, few months or so. Uh Spencer, any other questions or follow-ups or we get to go to the next question?
2: Math read one little thing that hasn't been said yet. Yeah, absolutely. Please. So one thing I'll say to you that I would have said to myself a little while ago is like if you're out of high school and you went to a boot camp and you can't all of a sudden land a job that other people go to school for like several years for and stuff like that, like man, don't kick yourself. You know, like if you're, if you find yourself taking what feels like the slow road, because it takes you three years to get there, every step of the way is a valuable step on the way. And because I I started feeling like, I felt this way, like different parts of my career so far at different times. And I get really impatient and I feel like I'm really slow. I feel like everyone else is killing it. I feel like I must be stupid, like whatever, right? All those, all those things that probably aren't really true. And also don't really move you forward. Like it's okay. Like the, the journey is the journey and it's, it's fine. You know, some people, you just, you, you get there when you get there. And like Mark was saying, it really made me think about it was if you just focus on creating value for whoever you work with, whenever you're working there, you're going to have a great time doing whatever it is that you're doing on the way to the next thing that you're going to do.
0: Absolutely, man. Very, very well put, Eric. Thank you so much for that. And yeah, it only feels slow because you're in the moment doing it right now. In hindsight, it will not feel as slow. Like You know, two, three years, I just turned 38. When I look back (laughs) 10 years ago, uh, I did the time just went by quick. Right. So, and you're still young that, uh, you can experiment a little bit. Right. So if you derail for a year or two, it's not the end of the world, man. You're still like uh, probably 19, uh, you're still like 20, 21, 22. And you, know, you still, still get back on track. Kevin, what's going on, man. Uh, something out here.
4: Yeah. I was just going to bring up Mike Wimmer. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he only lives an hour up the road for me. He just graduated from high school and junior college the last yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. And he's already done six contracts for the government. Uh, and he started when he was 10. So yeah, he didn't have a high school education. He didn't have a college education, but he was able to provide value, provide what they wanted and what they needed. He's been doing a okay for a 12
5: year old.
0: My son, you're one year old now, uh, 11 years from now, boy, if you ain't got no government contracts Uh didn't have a problem. So I got a question um uh, from Martin next. So let's let's go to Martin by by the way, Jagad, if you are listening to this 11 years later, I'm, I'm just kidding, man. It's okay. Just be 12. Uh go for Martin.
9: Yeah. Um actually my question is very similar to Spencer's. I mean the only difference might be that he's uh just graduated on high school and well I have a little bit more years working right on this on this career. I mean my question Basically, how can I make the hiring manager see me since my let's see my resume or my applications? I mean, I have a little bit of experience in data as a Six Sigma certified engineer, but not as a data engineer or data scientist right now. I mean, I thought I knew statistics because only because of six sigma, and I can work on data only because of that. But when I entered to the, this Google Data Analytics certification, the return Coursera, I just got the information that like, okay, there's a lot of more techniques that we can um, learn. I mean, I have. Not found a job since October. I have been applying to a lot of jobs, but I'm really wanting to move this onto the data analytics or data science, right? I know the statistics, I know how to handle projects, to do the improvements on projects, how to get this inside the solution. But how can I really move to a completely full data role? That's my, my basic question.
0: Yeah, the first step is to apply for them. So, have you been applying for jobs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, so, mm-hmm. so how's that? How's that like response been? Have you been getting any any, you know, callbacks or anything like that? Like what's what's going on?
9: I, I don't know if I'm only trying to to apply to the to jobs outside I'm I'm from Mexico, right? Uh, applying to jobs outside from Mexico and I'm having that barrier of do you have a employment business status? working outside
0: mexico and for yeah. that information and say no i'm but willing to bet mm-hmm. that's probably the root cause like i'm i'd put money on that being the main issue not the <laughs> skill set um i mean that being said um i'll definitely flip this over to, to anybody else mm-hmm. uh, who wants to chime in here but i mean look man like there's upwork there's fiverr you could start doing one-off analytics projects hell if you want man you can, you, okay. can do some, you can do some data analytics for me with with my podcast metrics uh, you know i'll give you i'll give you experience doing that if you want um but yeah i mean i'm, I'm willing to bet that that's one one part of it um is one,
4: one one thing you could do i know i have a lot of guys from india what they have done is they've come over to the united states on an education visa for their master's or the bachelor, well, mostly master's degrees and they've used their master's and educational visas to get a job and while they're here they've been sponsored and been able to continue to get a job some have gotten green cards whatever but they came over on education visas
0: okay yeah and i think uh you know i'll, I'll turn this question over to dave because i think dave will have some really valuable advice here um so go for it
1: no pressure okay <laughs> thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah so a couple things that pop to mind, and I don't mean to be, I don't want to come across as an expert on your situation, Martin, so take this for whatever it's worth. So, a couple right. things. Uh, one, one of the things I always suggest folks do is to do market research. Go look at a lot of job descriptions, a lot of job descriptions at companies and for roles that you would like to do and start tallying up all the various types of things that they were going to have you do all the skills that they want and cross-reference. So like, for example, if you're in data, you're going to probably see SQL SQL Mm -hmm. mentioned a lot, either as a desired skill or an optional skill. If you don't have SQL, and maybe you do, I'm not saying that you don't, but if you don't get SQL, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one aspect is like, look and see what the market's actually demanding and make sure that you meet that. Once again, going to Greg's point of risk minimization. If you've got the check boxes, you're minimizing the risk for HR and the recruiter and the hiring manager. So that's one, right? Concentrate Mm -hmm. on that. Because quite frankly, depending on where you go, the hiring manager might not even know what Six Sigma is and what it means they're not going to know. So yeah. that's not going to help you out. If you're in manufacturing, if you if you want to go work at GE, they know what Six Sigma is. They know that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of other companies, they don't. A lot of hiring managers don't. But what they do know is the skills that they put in their job descriptions. So as long okay. as you're matching that and checking those off, that's awesome. Another thing that you can do is certainly is also trying to flip from a push model to a pull model, which is instead of pushing out your resume and applications, keep doing that, of course. I'm not saying don't do that, but also throw in a pull model, which is Get active on social media, build up a data portfolio project portfolio that's publicly available. Get up a YouTube channel, uh, not to, not to sound self-serving, but I got a couple of videos on my YouTube channel around this that you might find potentially useful around how to do mm-hmm. market research as well as to do data, you know, what kinds of things you want to do for your data portfolio mm-hmm. projects to make sure they pop for a hiring manager and get up on get on LinkedIn, start posting, get on YouTube. If you build up a big enough audience and if you get seen a lot, you might find people actually reaching out to you for opportunities. And that that pull model is always better than the push model. If somebody contacts you and says, hey, I saw you on LinkedIn, I got an opportunity for you. You are so far up in terms of the competition and, and landing that job. It's just, it's astronomically different. So that's few things off the top of my head. Okay. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. That was really, really awesome. Um, how are you feeling about that, uh, Martin? You feeling, feeling good with some advice there or I'm, I'm willing can to open I, this Can up? I have
4: one one quick thing? Oh,
0: please. Absolutely, man.
4: Do, do Yes. A do, lot do, of times do, do. we fall for uh, a little trap, little trap of inside of the resume. We always want to say, look at my skills, look at my skills, look at my skills. Transform that into look what I've done, look what I've solved, look what I've identified. If you move from that to there going to get you places uh the skill piece leave a small space for that for sure but emphasize on look what i've done look what i've identified look what i've solved but also figure out a way to tell the story around it so clearly that you don't have the reader make an effort to understand what you've done and how you went about identifying the issues and solving them so think through that mindset that framework to build your resume and then you will see more uh people responding to you. It's because, you know, we, we are in an industry where we want to showcase our skills because we think this is the only way to get noticed. or oh, he's a genius. But nowadays, we can find 20 geniuses. So how do you stand out? So make sure you kind of gauge your resume, gauge your portfolio in that sense so you can better place yourself uh, with regards to the crowd.
0: So. Absolutely love that, Greg. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and j- you know, just in case, make sure you're talking about Six Sigma, talking about... Uh, you know different industries. Just make sure that on your resume that you're not using like industry specific type of jargon. So kind sure. of make it try to explain in plain English what it was that that you're doing. Right. So instead of like saying six sigma, you know, using six sigma lean processes to mm-hmm. doing this, this, and this, like you know, look look at the actual stuff within it that that you had done. Like the you know, does that make sense? Like the actual like what Greg is saying. What did you actually mm-hmm. do with it?
9: Yeah. For for example, yeah, uh, about what they was was selling. On the crowd reference of the abilities, uh, the current managers or the job description is asking for, I have done that. Of course, at first I just knew that. Okay, I don't know SQL, I don't know Tableau, I don't know Power BI, or maybe not on a. On a medium or advanced way. And, and yes, I mean, I start putting those checkbox and I started just practicing it. And then moving on to the portfolio. I mean, I can put on my resume those successful projects that were done by analyzing data, even though they were not done by SQL or Tableau or something like that. And after that is our Kaggle competence um, board of, of putting them on your for a of projects?
0: I mean, I'd like to see just more real world type of projects, okay. right? Cause like, I mean, you live in, you know, whatever city you live in, I uh, just type mm-hmm. in city name, open data portal. Right. And you can like, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of m- big major cities all throughout the world have these open data portals that can be accessed right. by, by anyone right on the internet. Mm-hmm. And you just take real world data and just do some real world, interesting stuff for it, Dave.
1: Yeah. I've got, I was about to say, yeah. Shameless plug. Woo check out my youtube channel i've got a recent video where i have a real world data analysis project using free data from the united states government and okay. it's actually it's actually based on a real project i did at my last job when i was an analytics person so it's it's like taking industry data from the state of texas and marrying it up with data from the us census bureau and trying to find new and interesting things And it's a great way to just like put it out there. Right. And if you do it just right, if you create a data portfolio project with awesome code and maybe some, you know, some great documentation and a nice YouTube video and you put it all up and wrap it up in a nice little bow in this GitHub thing, it becomes quite a showcase. And here's the thing, too. And this is something I mentioned in one of my videos on my YouTube channel is that don't wait to start posting on social media when the project is done. Start and post every step of the journey because people love that stuff, right? And it starts building up your following and it starts building up a cache of posts on LinkedIn, for example, to go along with the final product. So don't wait until you're done. You know, you can post all of the sausage making and people love that stuff.
8: (laughs) (laughs) I I got more engagement on my posts about the project than the actual end product, which is hilarious to me and happens all the time. Yeah.
0: People like to hear about the process, right? They like to hear about what it took to get from A to B. The middle part is the most interesting part, right? Um, but yeah, Dave. Uh, if, if anybody can just dig up the the video, post it in the in the chat there. The video that Dave was talking about. I'll be sure to include that into the show notes so that all uh, thirteen of you that are listening on the podcast have access to that. Um, let's go up to a question here. Uh, well, actually, Eric got a great uh, comment here. If you can afford LinkedIn Premium, yeah, definitely use LinkedIn Premium. I think it's it's well worth it. Might be a little bit pricey, um, but i kind of mad at LinkedIn. You
2: might be able to get a free month though. If you never used it, you can get yeah. a free month. Yeah. And yeah. hint if you went to if you go to cancel after your first month, they'll give you a, a discount on the second month. So hey, nice. yeah, That's worth it. Yeah. Try it out. And also I will say just one little thing on that. Don't hold, don't use your free messages to like hold email recruiters. That does nothing. But if you see somebody who says, Hey, we're hiring, then, you know, that's the person that you want to email because they're expecting the message from, not email. You know what I mean? They're expecting the message from you. Just, it seems like common sense, but just don't do it.
0: Yeah, I like that. It's those little things, right? Little things that maybe just don't register um, that we need people to call out for us. So yeah, that was very really good. Thank you very much. Um, anybody else have anything to say on this topic? Russell, uh, Russell keeps disappearing from my screen. Is he still around? Uh, I don't, doesn't look like, oh, yes, you are.
4: You are. Yeah, i I'm here, but I think I've got flaky Wi-Fi at the moment, so I'm dropping in now. So is the audio working?
0: Yeah, we can hear you.
4: Okay. Well, so if I disappear, uh, you can still hear me. Um, I was just about to type in to build on Eric's point there about, you know, don't uh, cold drop a message on someone um, using your um, in-mails. I'd, I'd say that that's pretty good um information for 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 all messages you know try not to uh just cold drop messages on someone saying look you know i'm looking for a job get to know them first you know interact on some chance respond to some of their comments try and build up a rapport before you try to open that door because if you're just you know really cold they've never met you before you try to force that door open it's going to be less likely to open so so try to, um, yeah, try to kind of get a connection with people before you, you uh, enter that avenue if possible. I have Thank a follow-up you. question yeah, on that. Is that okay?
0: Yeah.
8: Absolutely. So for me, like, I do not like small talk. I just struggle. I, I do not like the, when people message me and they're like, hey, how are you doing? I'm just like, tell me, just get to the ask, please. Um, and I'm the same way. And so I guess like, is this just a different style or am I missing out by not doing that small talk in the beginning? Um, the way I normally approach is just like, um, yeah, I'm gonna make an ask in the initial, but it's very targeted to you. Um is that just a different approach or should I be doing the small talk? And maybe that's just like a cultural thing that I'm just missing out on.
0: Is this coming from the perspective of the message sender or from the message receiver?
8: Message sender, me sending. I don't like the small talk. Okay. Yeah. And also receiving, I don't like the small talk.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, for for sending, it's you you can you don't have to just say hey how are you doing i, I think something that would be awesome to do is okay so the company that this person works on probably has a blog post and that blog post probably has something tangentially related, talking about data science, machine learning, whatever it is that you're interested in. Try to find that thing that, that, that connects the company, your interest and that person, and then talk to them about that. Just say, Hey, look, I was looking at your guys' blog. I saw this really cool article where you guys were doing this XYZ thing, man. I found that super fascinating. Were you fortunate enough to be able to, to work on that project? If so, dude, I'm so jealous, man. That's so cool right there you go small talk but you're you're small talking but you're coming at at a big topic if that makes sense right
2: i so i was i found an employee from a company i was interested in who had their own blog and they had written a post that i was legitimately interested in it wasn't even actually data related it was just kind of about i don't know something something personal to them but it really resonated with me and i actually just commented on their blog post uh not even on like LinkedIn or anything, but I just commented and said, Hey, I really like that. And I think maybe they had like a contact form. And so I filled that out too. They emailed me back and we're like, Oh, hey, yeah, cool. And I, I told them I was interested in the company as well. And there was no s- small talk, you know, how's the weather? How's your mom? Things like that. Like it was just like, Hey, I really like this post. And it really like legitimately connected with me. And they were like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Hey, they emailed me like two weeks later. I was like, hey, this job just came up that I think you might be interested in. You want? might want to apply for. I was like, wow, you even remember that I'm a human? You know, so I don't I don't like small talk either. That's the slimy networking feeling that I hate. But, you know, like, like if you like legitimately have a connection with something that somebody said, like, I don't know, it feels a little vulnerable, but you just throw it out there. People are pretty
0: about it yeah man just take a general i mean genuine interest in the person not just an in- interest in your own self-interest right because if you're coming at somebody messaging them and it's like purely from a self-interest type of perspective dude that comes off people can pick up on it you're not getting a response back um so yeah make it uh, just genuinely be interested you can find something interesting about anyone um that's just general comment so Marcus, i get any other Comments or things off that. If not, uh, Alyssa just. Oh, that, that,
8: that was great. I want to try some new things out. Right on, man.
0: Uh, Alyssa, are you still here? Yes, you are. Hi. Hi. Yes. Go for it.
10: Um. So I have been working as a data analyst for six years um i've been trying to gain experience in data science for the past year um i'm trying to switch but i'm also like spencer battling um imposter syndrome and just want like not feeling like i have enough experience and knowledge um when talking about my experience in interviews so i love you know anyone's advice on this
0: all right so so it seems like two questions there correct me if i'm wrong there Lisa. first question is how to deal with imposter syndrome second question is how to how to talk about your projects in an interview?
10: Yes, yeah, it's All basically right. two questions.
0: All right, so you, you, I'll, I'll be, I'll be answering the first half, and I'll get, uh, you can get philosopher Harpreet on you here, but imposter syndrome to me, it, it feels like a fixation on some external thing that we perceive that we should be like, oh, we should be this model of perfection, right? And I think it's just because our society, our culture, we have a very, very unhealthy habit of making a product, the end result, the goal, instead of just the process of reaching to that goal, right? And we see this in a lot of activities in our day-to-day life, right? We get fixated on the intended goal. We get fixated on, on the end result and completely miss out just in, in the process of achieving it. Um, yeah, we just think that there's a magical point that we'll get to and then we'll be happy, you know? We'll no longer have to be this imposter. We're real, Um so I I think to to overcome that imposter syndrome like just focus on the process right because when you focus on the process the desired product the outcome will take care of itself with ease it just becomes a byproduct focus on the product immediately begin you know when you, when you focus on on the 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 end result you immediately begin to just fight yourself right and it, you get this sense of agitation right like you have a perception of this is how i should be but I'm not that right. Well, how about you just focus on the work that it takes to get from this thing to what you think you should be? So that's, you know, that's, that's it. Um I'm going to open this up to, uh to anybody who wants to answer this question. Let me know, but I'm going to go to, uh let's first go to Vivian on, on this one. And then from Vivian, if anybody else go for it.
7: I'm, I'm sorry. I was messaging Eric Um what was the question (laughs) Uh, so
0: so i'll have i'll have you answer this first question that that she has um, about how to deal with uh imposter syndrome
7: well i guess that i don't know that i'm a good answer for this because i have not solved this problem in myself either i just the only thing i feel like i really know how to do or what to do is just to keep going keep trying keep keep you know being uncomfortable like and like learn to sit in that discomfort in some way like learn to like sit with it and like you know okay i feel like an imposter i feel unqualified but like i'm gonna just go on and do my best anyway and try to just like you know no need to panic let myself sit with that and then like move on anyway that's the only thing i the only strategy i've really developed so far so
0: yeah like i mean imposter syndrome it's like we're casting a judgment on ourselves right and judgment is just you know judging anything is just a very very immense waste of energy right um so i'm going to i'm going to skip the philosophizing let's go to greg for the part about how to talk about your uh, experience in in interviews because uh, i feel like you're on a roll with this topic today greg so go
4: go for it yeah um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a process. Uh, first of all, it has to be a conscious decision to test uh, the assumptions you're making about yourself. Uh, so if you're thinking, oh, I'm not too good at this, test it, right? So you won't know until you test it and confirm or reject that hypothesis, right? So a quick example, um, I've used LinkedIn to test test myself. I uh, put a post out there. uh, I measure how many people say you're crazy or I don't understand what you're saying versus people saying, yes, that makes sense, but et cetera, et cetera. And whatever it is, I agree with myself that if I heard somebody saying something in the lines of this doesn't make sense, et cetera, that I will take it as a feedback to improve myself. And over time, I felt a little bit more comfortable sharing things that made more sense. Not that I was trying to eliminate anybody who would disagree, but I saw somebody disagreeing as an opportunity for me to grow. So that was my journey about LinkedIn to remove that imposter syndrome. The other step also is to join groups. Uh, You showing up here today is also another opportunity for you to kind of speak out and express yourself. And over time, you see how the community receives you and talk to you and uh, gives you feedback about who you are. And that should be reinforcement points for you to reanalyze and kind of, you know, again, test those assumptions you've made about yourself. Are they true? Are they well-founded or not? If not, how do I consciously remove them and move forward? Uh, But the key is to take action. Be conscious about those assumptions you're making about yourself. Um, Why am I expecting myself to be like this? When I say something, why isn't it coming out as this level? Is this true? Could I have done better? Make a list of those and then test them all. Test them all somewhere. Test them with somebody else. Be frank about it, too. So find somebody you can confine find to uh, tell them about how you feel. And then, you know, tell them to ask them to watch you as you speak and give you feedback about or or the work you do. Give you feedback about where you could in- improve or whether it's good. Uh, and those are the things that, again, it's not something you get rid of right away. It's conscious work on a daily basis and uh, community work is definitely something that can help you. The last thing you want to do is isolate yourself in feeling Uh, this way hope that helps
0: yeah thank you very much greg now appreciate that uh and how about the the other question she was asking um she was asking another question based on how to um how to to talk about projects or or, and and work experience rather how to talk about work experience in the interview in such a way that uh we can showcase that we're able to 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 do the thing
4: um i guess uh you, you you really have to have a, a, a great ears for 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 the questions, right? Uh, the assumption here that I will take is you've done your homework in terms of identifying the job you want to, to 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 work for. I like to say to everybody: when you identify a job that you want to to have prior to the interview, let your mind go all directions with questions and answer them ahead of time. Practice, practice, practice. Anticipate the kind of questions that they will ask. And most of the time, a company who knows what they're looking for will ask you questions pertaining to the pain points that they're trying to to solve. So by anticipating, that's why you have to prepare. And in preparation, when that question actually comes, you'll feel comfortable pulling out experience from your past to respond. And what you're doing here is building the bridge with similar issues that you've solved pertaining to your experience to showcase to the attacker that you can also solve similar issues that they're having. So all of that comes to whether you're uh, writing a document that you're getting, you're trying to get alignment from an audience or interviewing, you want to prepare ahead of time and think about all possible. Of course, you're not going to get to 100% of all possible questions, but you want to prepare yourself for all of these things coming at you so you can feel comfortable expressing yourself this way. And don't forget when you answer you have to also put a framework to it. You want to know what you identified, what were your tasks, how you went about it, what were the results. You have to be really tactical about that. And then also be open to uh, expanding on this if the hour feels like what you responded to wasn't enough or if you have to give additional examples. Again, it's all about anticipation and preparation. Yeah,
0: and to, to add, add to that point, treat the, the job posting like a syllabus, right? I mean, I don't mean to say treat the interview as if it's an exam, but look at every job description that you're walking into an interview for. Look at each and every bullet point, right? And each bullet point, try to connect it to a previous experience that you've done, right? Whether that previous experience was actual work experience or project experience or whatever, find some connection that hits that bullet point and then practice talking about it in the star format. There's a situation where I did this, this, and this, my job, was to do this, this, and this. And then the analysis I did was this, this, and this. And as a result, this, right? And just practice, practice, practice. Uh, Imagine yourself in interviews. Like just uh, literally go on a walk, close your eyes, imagine yourself on an interview. Uh, Dave, go for it.
1: So I don't know. Alyssa, where you're at in terms of what what would be a viable strategy for you. But here's here's a real good one that can get past both imposter syndrome as well as prove to potential employers that you've got skills. And that's to teach something. And ideally teach it in some sort of public venue. Like try and land a slot at Data Science Go or some other online conference, you know, maybe one of Kate's, see if you can do something, one of Kate's data data conferences or something like that. Or If that's not going to work as well, start up a YouTube channel and like pick topics that you have skills in and create tutorials on them, create high quality tutorials on them. And what that does is that provides proof. So for example, if you create a really cool tutorial and you get a lot of comments on YouTube where people are like, oh my God, Alyssa, this is awesome. You changed my life. This is a career changing kind of video for me. That provides proof that you have skills to somebody who observes that. And also the sheer act of going through creating that and delivering that helps a lot with imposter syndrome as well. Especially if you can do, especially if you can get, do some presentations at conferences, which these days is actually not all that difficult. The old days used to be really difficult because people paid like thousands of dollars to go to conferences. So the bar was really high, but with all these online conferences springing up, lots of opportunities to do stuff like that. Um, Again, I'll just say some people, when they think about doing something like that, putting themselves out there in that kind of way, it makes them feel really scared inside. And if that's a bridge too far to cross, that's cool, but it is powerful stuff especially the live presentation stuff.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much for that, Dave. Uh, And Data Science Go Virtual, by the way, they are uh, community partners with the Data Community Content Creators Award hosted live on LinkedIn June 22nd. You guys go vote, register for that. Data Science Go will be giving away three premium tickets to Data Science Go Virtual. And guess what? I'm back as the MC of Data Science Go Virtual. Once again. So I'll be emceeing that thing. And um I'll be at a booth as well, the uh data science dream job booth. So right now let's let's open it back up to Alyssa. Alyssa, I'm gonna give you a chance to respond to everything you've heard. And then after Alyssa, uh, let's hear from uh Jacob and then by the way, Ben Taylor's in the building. Ben, what is up? And if you can, Alyssa, kind of you know, after you, you know. Give us that response to whatever you've heard. Restate the questions so that uh, we can hear from Ben as well.
10: Yes. Thank you for the feedback. Um, it all helped. I, it I think it just helps to hear that a lot of people are going through imposter syndrome. It's not just me because um, everyone here is very experienced. So the fact that you still go through it, it, it does help a lot with the whole feeling. But I do, I do like that idea of just reaching out to communities, being able to talk um, to other people about data science, and just be able to teach. I think that will help confirm, you know, I, I do have um, a right to be in the field and a right to um, to get a job in the field. So I, that really helped. Um, and you asked to um, for me to repeat my questions. So the first one was, you know, how to overcome imposter syndrome. And the second one is just to, if you have imposter syndrome, like how do you go about you not know, talking about your experience in interviews?
0: So let's hear from, uh, let's hear first from Jacob. Jacob wants to comment on this. And after Jacob, we'll go to the one and only Ben Taylor. So, Jacob.
4: Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Um, so, I think um, I used to be in a similar um, situation. Okay, I think I've seen a similar situation, but I think one way I've been able to overcome that is that I, I see it as me being curious, not knowing enough trying to trying to learn because if you if 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 you're not curious, it means um uh, not another's right. Um if you're curious, it means you're a lifelong learner. So for me, it's it I'm just able to take myself. I'm not good enough. I have to keep learning and develop myself. And uh, then again, also see like you you've mentioned, see it as a process. You we keep learning until we die. So if I feel I have some limitations, then I have to probably means I have to do a certain skill I don't have. That's what it means. That's just my submission.
0: Thank you very much, Jacob. Uh, let's go to Ben Taylor. Ben, man, good to see you again. Super, super, yeah. super happy to have you back, man. How you doing? Good.
11: Um. Yeah, living on a plane. I'm sober right now. That's good. That's good, man. <laughs> um, so, impo- <laughs> so, imposter syndrome. How do you? How do you move? Oh man, I I didn't bring mine. It's probably good that I'm taking a break. So yesterday was pretty hard. Uh, hard in a good way. Um, imposter syndrome. I think. I think the interesting interesting thing about it is there's kind of this evolution. So I remember starting out as more of a junior engineer, you're terrified about job security. And then the next step as you evolve in your career is you get to market security. So when you truly make that switch from job security to market security, it's not the end of the world if you get fired because you now have market security. But I don't want to pretend that imposter syndrome goes away because the hope in a, in a good career is you keep taking bigger and bigger challenges and bigger and bigger risks where the risk is always there. Um, and so I, I had something funny happen a couple weeks ago where my Gmail password was changed because um, of something going on with the security of the company. But in Data Robot, if you're getting fired or deactivated, that's one of the processes. Like you get deactivated out of Slack and Gmail. And so it was really funny because I think I would say that I have no, like, I don't have any kinks in my ar- armor. But that was an example a couple of weeks ago where I'm like, oh, I actually do have some kinks in my armor. Like I am feeling that level of anxiety. Like, oh, like if I was fired from Data Robot, they would they would let me know first. Right. Like my boss would tell me, like, I want to find out this way. He would just say, Ben, you you know, you fucked up and, it, you know, <laughs> and you deserve to be fired. And I would say, you're right. Like I deserve to be fired. But um, I guess the other thing I'll say is really, if you take the broader view in life, there are things that are much worse than getting fired from a job. And that and I, I've known people that have been fired from a job where I've hired them. And it's not you're not there's nothing bad about you. You're not a failure. There's nothing wrong with you. Good people get fired from good jobs. And so I think the the, the good thing to get past in Posture syndrome is don't overthink it they're, you know, we're here to live. We're here to have a life. We've got families, we've got other things, you know, you making a certain amount of money or charging through your career is not the most important thing, but you know, you've got a great community of mentors and they can all say they've been there before. And apparently they've been there recently and they figure it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, that's the, one of the great things about this career is you're always having to learn something new, something interesting. And that means that there's always room to get better. And like, you know, the whole point not not the whole point of being human, but one of the great things about being human is improving and getting better at things. And if you get paid to do that, like holy shit, man, that's a hell of a job. But-
11: I was going to add real quick to failure is really celebrated in the AI space because like at data robot, we're hiring data scientists as fast as we can if they have four years of experience. And I was skiing with someone who was mentioning they're two years in to their data science journey and they think they're going to be fired. So they've like, they have failed at data science at this job. And I was saying, we love that. We love that. Like you have, you have tried data science as hard as you can in this company and you're face planting. That is fantastic because <laughs> your opinions matter. You can talk about things about, oh, we don't do it that way. Why don't you do it that way? Well, didn't it work at my last company? So there, there's something about being seasoned and being experienced. And that doesn't have to be after like win, 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 win. Big epic fail. There's something that I w- totally welcome with that, especially if you're introspective and reflective on why that happened. So has anyone made mistakes here? Dave, you made any mistakes? <laughs> and
4: there's a, there's a, there's a uh, uh, quote that I read the other day is that the number one enemy to success isn't failure is boredom I like that so um let's take failure as um let's let's turn around on this let's change our perception of what failure means is boredom catch a boredom you're you're increasing your probability of success be mindful of those
0: i like that i like that uh I don't see any of the questions in the chat. So if anybody has a question, just go ahead and put it in the chat, but I would love to get Ben's perspective on the question that we're talking about kind of towards the top of the hour. Uh, Spencer, I don't know if Spencer's still here, but Spencer is, uh, he's, he's fresh out of um, not fresh out of, but he he's completed high school, hasn't completed a four year degree and he's doing his, his, you know, boot camps, and annual degrees and things like that. Uh, and he's wondering, man, like, do we actually need formal education to be in data science?
11: So I know two people that don't have an, a college degree... And they're one of them is making over 200,000 years a data scientist, and the other one might actually I was getting a text from him a couple of days ago. He might be going towards that in the next week or two. And so if you can work at a job and go from junior to senior data scientists, um, I, I'm becoming more, I'm more and more of a believer that that's less required because I studied chemical engineering. I didn't learn anything in my curriculum about data science. I learned about classical predictive models from the lens of chemical engineering. But AI is very much merit-based. And so I think it's about getting through that initial hurdle of job success. Um, yeah. my I wouldn't really, if someone is applying for a job right now and they had no college background and they've gone through boot camp, I'd care much more about what do I think they can do this quarter or this year. And I, yes, I, I think it's mattering less, which is interesting because I used to expect all of my kids to go to college. And now I, I, I don't know, especially in the next 10 years, I might know even less that maybe it really doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, man. Like, Speaking of, you know, kids going, going to college, like, I don't think I would force my kid to go to a formal institution to learn anything like just, you know, do it on your own if you have to, or through some type of structured program, but it doesn't need to be like a four year university or anything like that. Uh, Greg over here has a question for Ben. So Greg, go for it.
4: Yeah, Ben, I'd like to know how, uh, how's your search for a crazy guy? Who's, uh, did you, did you, uh, like to learn, you know, what kind of framework are you putting together to kind of, kind of find somebody like that?
11: So the, the interesting thing is I think some of these people are just out there in the world where they already have a reputation. So my, um, my most interesting lead right now, I was actually just texting him on the phone. Um, his introduction comes through one of our other executives. So I think one of our other CEOs was aware of this individual. And I've been doing a lot of interviews lately. And it's interesting because I'm doing interviews for this position. And a lot of the people I interview are good, but good is not what I want. Which is interesting because normally you'd say like, oh, you seem really good. Like I, you know, I, w- what I'm looking for is like creative, misfit, genius, psycho. Like someone who's just, but psycho, not in a negative way. Like just someone who's not motivated by money. They're motivated by working on impossible problems with interesting people. So so I'll have a better update for you, Greg, hopefully in the next month where I'll actually have some announcements of, Key people we've hired, um, but it is interesting in my mindset because you interview good people, and, and normally you want to hire them. You interview good people, like oh, you're good, you have potential. But for this role, I almost want to hire people that intimidate me. I want to hire people that could potentially outrank me, or you know, get me fired. You know, become my boss. That's who I want to hire.
4: It's it's, it's it's interesting, right? Because that's what I'm asking is 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 that what, what's the threshold for somebody like that? Like whoa, whoa, whoa! This level of crazy is getting you out the door, sir. We want crazy, but not not that crazy. Are you planning to set that ceiling or no ceiling at all?
11: I think I've already set that ceiling because I one of my projects right now, I want to get arrested. And apparently (laughs) I was having a conversation where someone is saying it would need board approval for me to get arrested right now. And I think that's funny. So it makes me want to get arrested even more for this particular project. And so like, I don't know, I, I think when it comes to crazy and nuts, I probably have less left the reservation, but I, but it's really fun to hire people where you realize, Oh, they're crazy in a different way. They're willing to do things that I would never do. Um, But I, I think you have to have an adult inside to kind of understand, cause you can definitely cross the line with crazy. You can actually do damage. You can, like you can do PR damage for a company where they're now having to fix that. And that's not a good thing. So you definitely want to do crazy, but you want to have other people in the room, like heads of PR, you know, the CMO and other people to kind of decide, Um, you know, I I did have a project. I won't share it with the group because I'm kind of embarrassed by it, but I did have a project that was shut down where they decided it wasn't, it would not be appropriate for a company of our brand to be associated in any way with something that sounded like a lot of fun, but involve guns and different things and so i didn't just go do it i had a conversation internally and they decided that that isn't a good thing to do yeah. but after the ipo then maybe we'll go do it anyway maybe i'll go do it anyway celebrate <laughs> with, oh my didn't, everyone with, on the yeah. call everyone on the call that wants to pay their way we'll go oh,
0: I'm, <laughs> at, I'm down so, man. i'm down i just need to get my second shot
11: uh well, how's canada going like with the vaccines i
0: yeah so i'm in i'm in manitoba which is like the, apparently the hotbed of covid for like the world uh, not the world, but North America by far. Uh, yeah, Manitoba's in rough shape. Um, but yeah, sounds uh, doesn't. I see Alyssa's uh, friend or partner there is is having a good time checking us out. What's up, guy? How's it going? Um, if anybody has questions, let me know. Otherwise, we'll start to wrap it up. It looks like there are no other questions in the chat. Um, it looks like Jordan has a comment here. Just you know been a data science intern for a month people i work with have been helpful start yourself with people who are supportive open-minded hell yeah that's great advice uh does you know doesn't look like there's any other questions so i guess we could begin to wrap it up guys thank you so much for hanging out today for the data science happy hour shout out to everybody that came through uh shout out to everybody that uh, that didn't hear from rena what's up kelly what's up Uh, marina jaya g henry timothy what's up man how you guys doing um for for any of you guys, you know, if you got a question, now is the time because otherwise I'm going to wrap it up. So Timothy, Kelly, uh, G. Henry, if anybody has questions, let me know.
3: Yeah, I don't have
8: a question. i just, you know, thankful for being in this space with, with all of you and looking to uh, attend a lot more office hours. So thanks so much.
0: Yeah, right on, man. Well, thank you for coming here, man. Appreciate appreciate having you here and hope to see you here uh, more and more often.
4: Um, yeah, definitely.
0: And for those of you who, uh, who who feeling bad about showing up late, don't worry. I actually have a Sunday office hour session as well. Uh, that one's sponsored by Comet ML. There's always a link for it in the show notes. Um, if you go to uh, bit.ly B-I-T forward slash Comet dash ML dash O H, you can register for the Sunday office hour sessions. They're just as awesome as this. Um, so hope to see you guys there. Again, don't forget to vote for the Data Community Content Creators Award. That is going to be epic. It's going to have amazing speakers such as Greg Kokio, Ben Taylor. We're also going to hear from Sarah Nabelsi. We're also going to hear from Daliana Lou. If you guys don't know Daliana, man, like she's freaking awesome. Uh, we also got Jordan Morrow, Gilbert Boom. So all amazing uh, speakers. We got free giveaways happening from packed publications and Manning publications. They'll be giving away free eBooks. Um, like I mentioned, there is data um, science go virtual uh, the DSGo virtual premium tickets that will be given away as well. Um, we're only giving away people who have been r- to tickets and stuff and, and all the freebies to people who are registered since we're randomly choosing from the registration link. So be sure to vote and register. Um, you, you, you can also have an opportunity to win a half-hour mentoring session one-on-one with me, courtesy of Data Science Dream Job. Uh, shout out to Data Science Dream Job. If you guys go to dsdj.co forward slash free dash training you can get a bunch of actionable advice that you can implement today and um you know start getting a leg up on that job search i feel like i have stalled enough and there has been no last minute questions that come into the chat so guys thank you very much for hanging out appreciate having all of you guys here it's good seeing you again remember you've got one life on this planet why not try to do something big cheers everyone thanks
11: for hosting
0: absolutely man